Hi, so th this is a little bit weird. I wanted to create a podcast that's kind of a solo thing uh, that would be about the things that interest me this week or month or whatever. And for some strange reason, uh, this month I've been reading a lot of French literature from the 19th century and the early 20th century. So I wanted to do a strange little introduction to Gabrielle Whitcop, who I've been reading religiously throughout the core. And uh, it's, it's come out a little bit weird, uh, kind of a meditative, weird little tidbit for 25 minutes. So if you're up for hearing me drone on about a strange Nazi lover who's um, uh, killed herself and whose gay lover and husband also killed himself, then, uh, oh, this is perfect. This is for you. Uh, and if you want to hear about her weird books where a uh, transgender uh, intersex uh, child um, leads a brothel owner through the streets of uh, pre-revolutionary Paris, then uh, I'm guessing you're going to like this book too. So I, I hope you enjoy this first little weird thing. And uh, who better who better to start it off with uh, than our favorite Marquis de Sade. So I'm going to read a quote by him. Cruelty is simply the energy in a man that civilization has not yet altogether corrupted. Now, when de Sade was stating that he was confirming what the history of art has always demonstrated, that violence has been a constant subject of fascination. But de Sade was the first to show that any pretext could be used to actually represent cruelty and at the same time justify cruelty. I, I wanted to talk today about a writer that is um, not very well represented in America. Her name is Gabrielle Whitcop. She was born Gabrielle Menardieu uh, in the city of Nantes. And um, her short life story is that she married a Nazi deserter in Paris and uh, uh, hid him in her home and then moved with him to Germany after the end of the Second World War. And uh, she's most known to the American writers for her um, books, Murder Must Serene, um, uh, Exemplary Departures. All of these were, by the way, um, written uh, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, she started writing quite late, um, but uh, uh, the, the most well-known uh, book of hers is, of course, The Necrophiliac. But I'm going to talk today about a book that, as far as I know, has not been translated to the English language at all uh, for many reasons. And um, that book is called The Cellar of Children. And it's a, a, a sort of a love letter to Desaad, but it's also 
very modern, I feel, and a, a book that um, in, in its emotional and sensual context captures um, uh, the, the cultural zeitgeist that we, we find ourselves in today. Now, I, I, I told you this short story of her life, but she was also really influenced by her father. Uh, Gabrielle was homeschooled, and he, her, her, her dad had had a huge library, and um, she was very early on uh, in, infected uh, by by Marquis de Sade and um, Edgar Allan Poe and uh, Comte de la Tremont. You know, she, she wrote uh, a, a biography of Hoffman, whom she was obsessed with. Now, while she was uh, harboring and then marrying this deserter from the German army, uh, you know, they, they struck up a relationship, despite the fact that he was by by her accounts a homosexual by historians accounts a bisexual um her relationship would not be extremely sexual with him they both committed suicide in their 80s because he was suffering from parkinson's and she i think uh received a diagnosis of lung cancer in 2002 and promptly killed herself the Necrophiliac, which is her most well-known novel, uh, talks about an antique dealer who um, who digs up freshly buried bodies and uh, secretes them in his Paris apartment and keeps them there. Um, Whitcop is uh, a postmodernist writer at heart, so a lot of the descriptions that she puts in her writing are you know, comically uh, grotesque. She she is a master, I feel, of what's uh, called um, fake shock or faux shocking literature. And I, I fell in love with her books in, uh, I think, right after her death, I think it was 2004, uh, when I bought a tiny novel called uh, The Seller of Children. Um, I bought it uh, in um, a Moscow bookstore and it had this striking, um, it, it was uh, published by Kelowna Publications, which specialized in very esoteric literature, uh, but also published The Seller of Children, which had this incredible cover of a, of a, uh, a corpse uh, caressing a, a child's face, uh, a skeleton. Uh, so this book uh, starts off immediately quite uh, horrifically, and we uh, see um, a, a sort of a, a novel in letters, um, all one-sided. Um, so, you know, a, a, a woman is writing to her friend um, who, who lives uh, on the French coast, and it takes place right before the uh, French Revolution. The woman in question is a uh, owner of a brothel that she uh, accumulated and, 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 and received uh, after being a, a sort of a lover to a wealthy cardinal, um, a wealthy priest. And then the priest died and uh, his family sort of exiled her from uh, his mansion and she received as a sort of a down payment for her silence uh this house in the middle of paris 
She describes very uh, in, in, in in much detail her, her methods of procuring children for uh, sadistic pleasure of her clients, among which are uh, priests, judges, future revolutionaries, you know, uh, government officials, and and people like that. Now, um, of course, uh, she has in common with this odd. Um, her sort of sarcastic passion for long-winded and and rather <laughs> rather extreme um, sex uh, descriptions and, and scenes of slaughter, uh, death, uh, madness, and um, you know perversion, which are described meticulously simply because she wants the reader. I feel to be engrossed not in the perversion that is in fact taking place but the um state of senselessness the state of 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 numbness because this woman she's making quite a pretty penny off these children you know she's stealing a very young african girl like a six-year-old from her mother and immediately cuts off her tongue in the carriage because she doesn't want her to scream so the violence is not only senseless but it's also extremely decadent it's it's um pointless in many ways. And um, here I, I felt uh, a very strong um, a very strong connection to a situation that we face today. A lot of things that we see in the news and, and on social media are simply numbness, you know, being sold to us as the new normality or pointless pointless violence being um, repackaged as uh, necessary you know but the, the the role of the social media and the role of 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 um television in repackaging this violence and repackaging this suffering for us as the 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 hero of the novel repackages it for her friend who is also planning to open a brothel in her seaside town um it's comedically similar so what happens in the novel then is the the um proprietress of the brothel receives a letter after about uh, 60 pages of sexual violence against very small children uh, she receives a letter from an old uh, decrepit woman who says that she's got a very rare specimen for her because these children uh, keep dying you know the, the the guests of the brothel keep killing them in various gruesome ways and the narrator um, goes to the old woman and she finds a child um, of about 13 years of age who is, a, who is a true hermaphrodite. That is to say, not only does the child have both female and male genitalia, apparently the child can give birth and the child is spectacularly beautiful uh, to the point where this woman who previously seemed to us rather unfeeling and interested mostly in monetary gain and is sort of a, a practical busybody. The woman is uh, sort of struck by the beauty of the hermaphrodite child and she immediately purchases the uh, child for uh, an exuberant amount of money. Um, she brings the child to the brothel in the middle of Paris, and the child is sort of kind of vaguely amused, unlike all of her other victims. 
um, you know, he keeps laughing and so he has an incredible wardrobe, rich finery that comes with the child. Uh, it is unclear where the child comes from, by the way, and how the old woman has procured it. We immediately feel that the child is some sort of allegory because it, it seems to be not quite there, you know, almost like a, like a lost soul, almost like a ghost. And, in fact, there are many sort of hints that the child might, might well be a, an otherworldly uh, creature of some sort, of, of divine um, heritage. When, um, you know, the child doesn't die from uh, a lot of the torture, uh, most of which also in the great traditions of Desaad is also blasphemous. You know, there are many children which are likened directly to uh, saints, um, to the Virgin Mary, and to the Christ child. You know, these are the things that Wickup places um, in the novel to specifically uh, demonstrate the obscenity of the idea of obscenity, if you, the, the, the boundaries of humanity and inhumanity uh, have to be blurred for this for this point to be put across uh, blasphemy and piousness and martyrology and cannibalism and uh, animality and uh, copulation reveal their nature sort of crack open the shell of what they are like Desaad writes ferocity is always either the complement or the means to lust uh, going as far as announcing, if not precipitating, the actualization or uh, radicalization of the theme of kidnapping uh, that the 19th century would liberate from its mythological context. So, you know, we, we, we see a lot of uh, thematic kidnapping in the arts of Picasso, for example, and Cezanne and Degas, you know, for, for, for this leap across uh, to have been taken, uh, people like Desaad, you know, for this point to be put across, we need to, uh, as Desaad said, uh, attack the sun. So this mysterious divine girl boy arrives at the brothel and is immediate, immediately sold and seems to derive quite a lot of pleasure from, from being in the brothel. And so he takes a sort of a Luciferian kind of uh, angelic luciferian fallen angel um approach to to his position and all through this time of course uh the french revolution begins raging on and the clients of the the protagonist begin being carted out um by uh, sanson the executioner past her windows and she begins to receive uh, threatening letters and you know the the novel ends in quite a banal way uh, with her disappearing and um, the woman that she was addressing in, in, in all of these letters finally writes to another woman um, asking about her and asking about the protagonist and saying that either she escaped to Latin America where she still survives or or she's dead or you know she's been beaten and stoned and and, and murdered finally uh, guillotined in a, in, a, in a square in Paris but um, before before she actually disappears um, she once again meets the hermaphrodite uh, now a, a sort of a young dressed as a sort of a young 
uh, man, uh, elegantly dressed, if uh, a little disheveled, which is understandable since the uh, the, the 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 terror rages on around them. They they spend a dinner together and they uh, they make love one last time. She begs the hermaphrodite not to leave, and she asks. Uh, the, the hermaphrodite to go away with her and escape Paris together. The uh, boy, girl, child, angel responds uh, that uh, it, it is impossible and then disappears after their lovemaking in the morning. In fact, he is quite jaded with the entire experience around him. And, you know, uh, to me, he seems like a perfect sort of figurehead for France itself or for Western culture, Western art, Western ideas uh, in general. Because uh, much like the French, he views the, uh, the um, revolution with a certain dose of ennui and um, is, is a little annoyed by the entire thing and bored. Now, Desaad himself uh, exported his ideas from Italy. It, during his trip to Florence, he discovered wax anatomical figures, and the oldest one was um, a theatrical vignette uh, which described the ravages of the plague. And um, in his novel Juliet, uh, Desaad actually replicated it 20 years later. Much like Whitcop, he was fascinated by the powers of metamorphosis because the, the, the hermaphrodite in the novel is almost a central character. Um, the, the, the proprietress of, of the um, brothel isn't, in fact. She's simply an observer. The, the, the miniatures that the Sad saw showed uh, the, uh, both the inside and the outside of the body, uh, something that um, would otherwise be impossible to see without committing a crime. So both Desaad and Whitcop attempt to do the same. Uh, not only they crack open this sort of dry white shell of humanity, which uh, is always sort of covering the underlying rot from us, but, uh, you know, we, we know the rot, we encounter it daily, but to him, it's it's more important to not only examine what is underneath, but explain to us that that this is the nature of the thing. That in fact, this is the nature of um, whatever you want to interpret. Wakecop's novel is about um, whether it be uh, desire or innocence or political revolutions in France and political thought in France, or uh, perhaps the morality of France as a whole. But Saad did not invent sadism, and the 19th century did not discover violent love. But um, one of the major themes of, of the 19th century was, in fact, violent love. And you have to understand that Whitcop is not a snob. In fact, she's as anti-snobbish as possible. Her prose makes fun of the aesthetic sensibilities, even the most perverse ones, because they are uh, grotesque, no matter how aesthetically pleasing or, 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 or 
um, or on the opposite side, you know, grotesque they are. They, they, they are grotesque. Uh, for example, her novel Murder Most Serene concerns the, uh, the art of poisoning. And uh, so over about 30 years, a Venetian nobleman called Count Lancy uh, sees four of his wives perish. Uh, they all suffer rather gruesome deaths. He himself is an aesthete. He wanders his library, a labyrinth of books, where he loves his books so much that he almost feels sexual passion. Now, Whitcop liked to refer to herself as a puppet master or a bunraku master of the Japanese theater that... Uh, presents a play not only to the audience but to herself and that she is herself her own spectator. In her novel Murder Most Serene we see a very similar uh, narrative to The Seller of Children. Uh, we see the Republic of Venice, the most serene republic. Finally, uh, Napoleon comes into the city with his cleansing wrath, much like the French Revolution rages across the streets in the cellar of children. This feels very modern to me, not only because this was a year of uh, many endings and uh, a year of many um, finales and many cleansings, but also because um, both the protagonist of Murder Most Serene and the protagonist of Cellar of Children have the chance to take stock of what was most important for them in their lives, which were filled with cruelty, filled with violence. So coming back to the sod for a second, I want to give you this quote. One day, while observing Etna spewing flames from its core, I wanted to be that famous volcano. It's, of course, one of the uh, characters of the sod books uh, speaking. But the fact that on several occasions from the uh, depths of uh, the Bastille, uh, Sad invoked this image of the volcano, expresses the symbolic power that was given to him by God. Uh, he recognized it as a force comparable with uh, his imagination, um, which with 120 days of sodom uh, made the prison implode and transformed it into a, a fortress of, of perverted desire. In other words, Saad could transform it into a new space in his mind where the infinite was no longer sought in the kingdom of heaven, but was hidden in the depths of human being, through which he could occupy imaginary spaces like Piranesi, um, you know, where, where, where desire has long since reinvented the world you know, our world has been completely taken over by desire. So the whole reality, uh, Desaad and Whitcop both write, uh, after reaching the peak of desire, is put at risk. So by taking the world's excesses as his only measure, Desaad gives himself a stable physical basis to his conviction that man's entire happiness lies in his imagination. When this prolongs and intensifies a desire that continually explores the boundaries between what we are and what we are not. So, in fact, by prolonging 
one's desires, you prolong the existence of the world. In 1923, Robert de Snow commented that Saad was the first to consider love and its acts from the point of view of the infinite. And this is the source of torment for the great libertines of today who are worried that they will never achieve the sublime point of this unreality of desire, appropriating reality to the point of transforming what they see into what could be and what will be. And what Saad has created and what Whitcop has perfected to me haunts modernity, especially as few would have the rigor of Desaad's determinate view, where the desire for the infinite, for God, blends into the infinity of desire. And I hope you find a good translation of Gabrielle Whitcop. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a fabulous, fabulous book. The, the Seller of Children. I highly recommend it. I hope that this has been interesting, at least somewhat, and I hope to make more of these uh, in the near future. Thank you so much.